Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It is, it is great to be here. I, I said to Josh when I landed last week off the plane, I felt, I felt at home. I felt at home. We love you. We um, love you as a family. We love you as a church family. And, and it's just been amazing over the last six, nearly seven years to just grow in relationship and gospel partnership with you guys is just amazing. And you know, I want to share just a little bit, a short update of what's going on in Liverpool. By God's grace, you know, Josh, Josh is right. It's less than, it's probably less than 2% as it stands who attend evangelical churches. And evangelical is a broad, broad term for what it is to be a Christian. So it, it appears that it's God forsaken, but it's not, folks. God, by his grace, we're seeing people get saved, people get baptized, people coming to know Jesus, families being restored, people taking responsibility of what God has given them to be responsible for, and we're seeing the church grow. And by God's grace, we're able to train men and women to go and plant churches, and you guys are a part of that. And I think the wonderful thing about being part of the, the body of Christ part of the church, which is all across the world, I think one of the wonderful things about that is that you're able to participate and, and you may not see the fruits of that in this life, but when Jesus returns and makes all things new, we'll be able to rejoice in the midst of that fruit. That's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is one. So thank you for your generosity, your love, your care. For, for those who, who don't know, we were here three years ago, my wife and, and four children, because my daughter is not very well. She's got a tumor in her spinal cord, and we were sent here by the UK to have treatment um, in a center called the Procure Center. And by God's grace, three years on, we believe that the tumor is dead. Praise God, which is wonderful. Um, but as a result of that treatment and as a result of operations and the tumor, she's got other physical problems. So I just ask you, please continue to pray for Ella and pray that the, 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 the Lord will heal her, but also that we be able to disciple her to show, the, show her and her brothers and sisters the beauty is not found in how she looks. The true beauty is found in who she is in, Lord, in, a, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So please, will you do that for me? Oh, that would be great. I love you guys, and we love you very much. And it's great, and I'm excited to be here with you. Grab your Bibles and turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Now, I appreciate that you guys say Isaiah, not Isaiah. So I, I will either, it's up to you, I can either go and try and contextualize and say Isaiah, or I can say the way that it's meant to be said, which is Isaiah, and sound like, sound like the cleverest guy in the room. All right? Okay. So if you grab, those, grab the Bibles... As I do that, let me, let me pray. Father in heaven, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us this morning. Father, I pray for those who are your people that their hearts will be just thrilled with joy. Father, for those who may be here that are just inquiring and asking, those, Lord, who just don't even know why they're here this morning, that you would speak to them specially by your Spirit, I pray. Amen. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling to be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Well, it's the hap happiest season of all There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near It's the most wonderful time of the year Do you agree? 
Do you agree with the parties, the carol singing, the mulled wine? Right, we don't drink this. The eggnog, we don't drink that. <laughs> Family, gifts, late night shopping, seeing the kids happy, snuggling with loved ones on the couch, watching movies on DVD. But for some of you, you don't agree, do you? This time of year brings nothing but pain, loneliness, memories of how things used to be. And if anything, for some of us, we just want to get through this time because of all the the flannel. I just want to get through it. See, for those of us who do agree with Andy Williams and his theology, (laughs) that's great. But my question would be, if the kids weren't jingle-belling and there was no one to kiss under the mistletoe, if loved ones weren't there and they had gone, that you had no money to buy what the kids wanted, no presents, then would it be the most wonderful time of the year? Would it? The Christmas of 2013 is a Christmas that I will never forget. By God's grace, I grew up in a great home, great parents. We had wonderful Christmas times. I could sing that song all day long and it was wonderful. But the Christmas period, an Advent period for us, leading up to Christmas 2013, it was all about hoping that our little girl would walk again. Hoping that that just maybe for Christmas Day, the 25th of December, that she'd be able to come out to hospital and we'd be able to celebrate it and enjoy that time together. Christmas hasn't gone by, and Advent season hasn't gone by since where the weightiness of the reality of what has gone on with my little girl is there. So for Christmas for me is wonderful. I have a great time with my family, I do. But there's a reality and a backdrop to pain and suffering and difficulty that actually sometimes just wells up a desperation in my heart. See, folks, the backdrop of this time of year, the context of this holiday season, in amidst, hear me, the blessings, the joy, the wonder of this time, they're wonderful things, but the backdrop of that is a broken and desperate world. A broken and a desperate world. And for some of us who know Jesus and love him, this time is a time of looking forward to and remembering that Jesus came and broke in to this darkness. But even for some of us who do know Jesus, the temptation to actually allow all the, the, the insignificance, all the, the, the worry, all the, the planning, all the gifts, everything else that we think makes this time a wonderful time of year, we seem to find our our hope in those things, even when we know our hope is truly found in the one that broke, in, broke into the darkness. And for those of us that don't know Jesus, if you are honest with yourself, there is, there is this sense that Christmas brings a little glimmer of hope, a little gl- glimmer of joy, a little glimmer of something that you know in the depths of your heart you long for. Just a little bit of purpose and meaning, a little bit of joy, a little bit of Rest, a little bit of everybody sort of coming together to be one people. But you know they only last for about four weeks at the most and you wrestle with the pain and the difficulty of the fact that it's going to end and then you're back to the humdrum 
of the broken world that we live in. See, when the prophet Isaiah was sent by God to speak to his people, his people at that time were in complete disarray. It was broken. They were divided. There was one half that lived in the north, one half that lived in the south. And they were completely at odds in how things should be, what the meaning and the purpose of life, where, where do we find that rescue? And then there was imminent danger from other nations and other, other countries around putting pressure upon them. And God sends a prophet to speak to a king by the name of Ahaz. And Ahaz was through the line of another king that came about 250 years before by the name of David. And Ahaz felt the pressure of, of other nations coming in on him. The, 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 the divided nation of which he sort of was the king of Judah, which was in the south of that area. He felt the pressure to align with people that he didn't agree with because of imminent worry, imminent stress. And God sends Isaiah to him to speak to him. And he says to him, you have no need to worry. This danger, this pressure, this worry is not going to come to what you think you need to trust me. Now, being the king of God's people at that time, what he should have done was this. Completely trusted God, but he didn't. He panicked. He panicked. He panicked in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of, of worrying about what will happen to him, to his family, to his people. And instead of trusting the God that had protected them and had promised to protect them, he disbelieves God. God even says, look, I, I, I'll give you a sign. Let me give you a sign. Any sign you want, you ask, and I will give it as proof that this is not as bad as you think. He says, no, I don't want a sign. I'd rather look for a more plausible way of safety, a plausible way of rescue, a plausible way of purpose, a plausible way of meaning. God is furious with him because of his disobedience and his rejection of him and gives him a sign. He says, this is the sign. This is what you need to hear in the midst of the darkness. You're going to hear something that seems so implausible in your situation now, but this is the sign. A virgin's going to have a baby. And that baby is going to be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God says to a king in the midst of the brokenness, the sign that you're going to have in the midst of that brokenness is that what I promised you for generations will come true and God one day will be with you. In fact, I am with you. And the sign is one will break in through implausible, unbelievable means to bring hope to your heart, Ahaz, and to bring hope to your people. See, what was really interesting about that time is that not only had the kings who were called to follow God and his promises, they led God's people into believing the lies and the fears, the philosophies, the ideologies 
of other nations and other cultures rather than the good, gracious rule and promise of the God that said he was with them. Now, in the midst of this people, you had those who were completely rejecting, completely rejecting what God had done, and those that were really trying to follow him. There were those that in the midst of the darkness, yes, felt the temptation, felt the fear, yes, felt the pressure to find purpose and meaning and joy in everything else other than the substance of life, which was God himself. They felt the temptation to reject that and go with things that appeared more plausible at that time. And Isaiah comes and not only speaks to the king, but speaks to the people. Two groups of people. Those who are seeking to follow and those who are rejecting. And he turns to me and says this, look, you guys, in chapter 8 of Isaiah, you guys, you guys who are seeking to follow, you guys who are seeking to be faithful, you guys that are finding a hope in the promises of God, continue in that way. Continue in that way because even though everybody else around you is rejecting the substance and the object of that hope, which is me, God, and the promises that he gives, hold fast to my word, he says. Hold fast to those promises. Hold tight to them. And even in, in the temptation to be impatient for everything to be put right, wait on me. That's what he says. Wait on me. Because I'm going to show you, you who are seeking to, be, to, to, to follow me, even in the midst of the temptation of walking away and going with more plausible things, let me show you what the situation is for those that actually seek to find substance, purpose, meaning in everything else but the God who created them, the God who promises he is with them and will rescue them. Let me show you. And throughout chapter 8, he says, look, do not live as these people. Because what they're trying to do, instead of coming to the source of everything, the source of joy, the source of love, they're trying to find meaning in all sorts of conspiracies. All sorts of different ways. Trying to find meaning and purpose. But the problem is, as you look at them, see, the problem is when they're trying to find purpose and meaning and rest for the longing in their souls, they're finding it in places that doesn't lead them to any light, any joy, any hope whatsoever. It leads them right into darkness. And in the midst of that darkness, you have a dawn. But in the midst of the darkness, for those that are seeking to find the fulfillment of the longing of their souls in everything else but God and his promise, there is no dawn to be found. Folks, the, mo the reason why this is one of the most wonderful times of the year, because if you know Jesus, that light, that dawning has come. That in the midst of the reality, see, as Christian people, we're not immune from the brokenness of the world. My little girl's messed up. We're not immune from that. But in the midst of the brokenness and the world that is messed up, I know there is a dawn of promise. I know there is a dawn of hope. I know there is a dawn of joy. 
And the temptation for more plausible ways of thinking and putting my trust is enormous, but I'm drawn again, I'm drawn again, I'm drawn again. That God himself broke into the darkness to shine light on those who are his. For those of us who find this time really difficult, not because of brokenness, and you may be walking with Jesus, but those that just think it's just... It's just this time that gives me a little bit of hope. The reality is this. You know this. That at the end of this four-week period, that little light goes out and there is no dawn and there is no hope. See, Isaiah also says, for those that don't rest in the promises of God, they look to have their thirst quenched in everything else but him, but they continue to be thirsty. You with me? They continue to be thirsty. So Isaiah comes in, in the midst of the darkness, and highlights the reality of the way people are living. There are the, all in the midst of the darkness, those that are longing for this dawn and this promise, those who are drawn to what God has said, even in the midst of the temptation of falling away, and those that are completely rejecting it and seeking to find that same fulfillment of longing in everything else but God. But the big question is, as God's people, and the big question is, I guess for us as we sit here, how on earth does that promise come in? And in Isaiah chapter 9, God by his graciousness through the prophet speaks to the people and speaks to us today. He says there is one that is going to come, verse 6, a child, Emmanuel, for unto us... A child is born, unto us a son is given. God graciously steps into the brokenness and says, I am going to give my son as a child. And he, verse 2, is going to be the light that bursts into this darkness. He, verse 2, is going to be the one that comes in and bursts into the darkness and brings an inexpressible joy to the hearts of every human being that seek him, know him, and trust him. And this child is going to come and stride on to history and put an end in the midst of that joy, put an end to all the suffering and depression that every single one of us and every single one of those that God was speaking to at the time was feeling. That all wars will cease. That human suffering will cease. And he will come and be a king very different to Ahaz and a leader very different to any leader that we experience now in our context, where we find no hope whatsoever. And he will come and take his stand and his throne and bring his kingdom that will last for an eternity. But the wonderful thing about this king, the wonderful thing about this child, is that he comes into the darkness, but doesn't remain aloof from all the people that he comes to meet he actually steps in. God says that I am sending a child who is with us and somebody who is for us, who is with you and who is for you. And the qualifications are seen in the name that the prophet gives to this child that is going to come. 
That the one that's going to break on, break into the brokenness, break into to human oppression, break into all our joylessness, the one that comes in to bring joy and salvation and peace is one that is completely qualified to meet every longing of every soul of every human being that has ever walked the planet. Because he is a wonderful counselor. He will come with wisdom. Wisdom beyond all means. All human means. All human understanding. He will come and he will speak truth through his Holy Spirit to take his words to make much of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. He will counsel our hearts in ways, folks, that no other human can. He will satisfy our longings the way no other human can. He will provide for us perfection and intimacy in no other way a human can. This is the one that bursts onto the scene, the wonderful counselor. He comes and he is an everlasting father. He's one that comes who protects with a tender heart and a compassionate heart. See, what's interesting about this time of year, Christmas time, the, the, the temptation, isn't it, is to just switch off to the reality of the world, to switch off completely and just be focused on this time, even, in, even if it's painful, to get through it, to walk on. And I don't, I don't know about you, but often we don't even read or watch about what's going on in the world. It's like we want to switch off from it. Why? Because the pain and the brokenness and the difficulty just reminds us and it gets us angry in all sorts of places. See, the wonderful thing about Jesus coming in, the wonderful thing about this child being promised, the wonderful thing about light bursting into the darkness, that he will come to take a throne and will lead like a father with a tender heart, with compassion. He will be a king and a leader in a way that we long for, who cares for those who are his subjects. And he will bring about a society and a culture and a world which every single one of us want. He is the prince of peace who breaks in, takes all oppression and establishes a culture that is built on justice and righteousness. Oh, how we long for that, don't we? We long for that. Because the one that breaks in, in the darkness, is a wonderful counselor, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is the mighty God. Folks, St. Augustine was right when he said this. You are made by God. Whether you like it or not, you are made for him and for his glory. And your heart will be restless till you find your rest in God. In the midst of the brokenness of God's people, in the midst of the brokenness God of us, God has promised to bring a light and to bring a dawn that will bring a comfort, peace, justice, perfection, rescue, meaning and purpose to every broken soul in this cosmos. And that kingdom that he will establish is unchanging. It is consistent. It is safe. And it is a place of protection. 
See, many of us at this time of year feel lonely and we feel unprotected. We feel vulnerable, don't we? Those of us who've got to spend a lot of money on our kids feel very vulnerable. Those of us who feel alone and there's an empty seat at the table just feel vulnerable because of just the the fragileness of life. See, what's wonderful about the Lord Jesus Christ and what is the promised here is that he came as someone who was vulnerable. He came as a baby. He came as a baby and lived a life just like us as human beings, yet without sin. He came to be with us. He came to walk with us. He came to talk with us. He came to understand and to see our anxieties and our fears. He came to see firsthand and to feel firsthand what you are feeling and what you are seeing. He came with a tender heart and compassion. He brought wisdom at the right places. He brought about peace wherever he was. And that kingdom continues. It continues in our hearts. It continues in our churches. It continues in our communities. It continues in our cities. It continues in this world because his kingdom of peace, righteousness, justice will continue in the hearts of men and women that find no hope but in him have a thrill of hope. See, what was really interesting at that time is that Isaiah, when he speaks to God's people and brings the promise of a child, doesn't mention anything really about their rejection and their sin and their brokenness, which got them in that darkness in the first place. What he does at this point is show the inadequacies of everything that they are living for in contrast to the beauty and the wonder of the one who would come to bring light in the midst of that darkness. And then in the midst of being drawn to that wonder, we know in and of ourselves we can't trust. And that's why years later, Isaiah in the same book writes about this very same child, but no longer as a child, as a man, and actually shows us what was required in order for us to know that light, to know that wonderful counselor, to know that everlasting father, to be in the presence of the mighty God, the one who created in whom the longing of our souls are fulfilled. He wrote this about Jesus. 750 years before he came as a baby. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He understood our grief. And he was one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. God broke in. And he was one that others would not take notice of and we despised him. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But even though we rejected him, he was pierced for our transgressions, for our rejection and our brokenness. He was crushed for our iniquities, our wrongdoings, our seeking out fulfillment in other things than other than uh, a holy God. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. On him was the punishment of our rejection put so that we could have peace with God and one with another. And with his wounds, we are healed, restored. The problem is we are like sheep that have gone astray. We turn everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So even though we rejected God in the midst of the brokenness, not finding hope in him, what does he do? He sends his own son to take all the rubbish of that brokenness, even though we're like sheep wandering around, making our own mind up, thinking that we can find fulfillment in other things other than him. But here's the wonderful thing, folks. It was God's will to do this. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, to put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of his anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. What God is saying is that this child that will come in his vulnerability will live a life that none of us live, will die a vulnerable death. It is through that death that all our brokenness, all our fears, all our rejection is poured upon him. And in him dealing with it on the cross, all of us who are rejecting and walking away and finding our hope in anything else are declared to be right with God if we have faith in him. If we have faith in him. We go from places of hopelessness to a place of hope because we see a dawn of light in the midst of the darkness because the light broke in. We see purpose and meaning for what it is to be a human being because we're running around this rat race. We're wandering around like sheep, but then suddenly light bursts in through the truth of who Christ is. And as we see him, it brings clarity. We find rest. We find peace and meaning. And folks, we find inexpressible joy. Hear me. Not necessarily happiness, joy. Feeling the effects of what Christ has dealt with now, but with a hope that he will return to make all things new. Folks, the Old Testament saints longed for the coming of the Messiah. As Isaiah spoke to this broken people, there were those within the nation who longed for the coming of Jesus. We live on the other side of his coming. We have felt the effects. We see the light. We recognize the hope. Those of us who know Jesus, because we find our hope in him. We see what he's done for us. We know that we can be forgiven. We know that we can be born again and start again. We have that. But I know that there are people in this room that don't. See, when Isaiah spoke to the people, remember, he said, there are those people that will seek to find that fulfillment in everything else but me, but where will it lead them? It will just lead them to a place of darkness where there is no dawn and no hope. Folks, a man can live about three days without water. He can't live a second without hope. 
In Jesus Christ, the light that broke into the dawn, there is hope found. He will take all your brokenness. He will take all your fear. He will take all your rejection. And it was placed upon him and he will wipe it away from you. He will remove scales from your eyes and you can have a view of this world that we're living in that gives you a thrill of hope, knowing that he will return one day as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Bible tells us, and he will make all things new. He will bring about the world that every single one of us wants. And folks, you get that. When you start singing songs like it's the most wonderful time of the year, your heart and your mind doesn't flick to the jingle bellings. It flicks to the one that broke into the darkness to pay everything for you. The light has shone into the darkness and we have seen this light, this joy, this thrill of hope. If you do not know Jesus, can I say this? He is too significant to ignore because we are living in darkness. No one can deny that. What he claims is too significant to just let pass by because without him, all we find is darkness. And what he promises is too significant and relevant to dismiss as nothing because your soul longs for rescue, perfection, hope, meaning, and rest that is only found in him. Come to Jesus. Let go of your pride. Come to the promised one of God. Step into the light. All you who are weary and heavy laden with the darkness of this time of year, the darkness of this world, and the darkness of your life. And folks, I promise you, he will give you satisfaction. He will fulfill the longings of your heart. He will give you purpose and meaning and a clarity in the midst of the world and your situation, which gives you hope, that gives you joy, that gives you rest. It is the most wonderful time of the year isn't it? And all the blessings. And I pray that you have a wonderful Christmas with all the gifts and the eggnog and the pies and the, the food. But my heart is that this year, for those that may have completely forgotten their hope in Christ, that that will be renewed. And for those of you that do not know him, will no longer walk around in the darkness where there is no dawn, but will step into the light that is only found in who Jesus is and what he's done.